time moves in different rhythms based on what we're doing. So when you're doing something and you've been, you look up and you're like, holy cow, it's been an hour and it felt like 10 minutes, go back. What were you just doing? That's your awesomeness. That is something that you do and you do it so effortlessly that time feels like it's almost standing still. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Earrings Off. We want to invite you to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. You can find us on Facebook at Earrings Off Podcast and on Instagram at The Earrings Off Podcast. Welcome to Earrings Off. I'm Lou. And I'm Teresa. Let's get started. Teresa and I are here today with Roshana Price. Uh, We are excited that she's joining us. Roshana is a leadership and success coach. She has written a book and it's called Be a Giver of Awesomeness. And she describes herself as a giver of awesomeness. I love that. I'll take that any day. So if you hear somebody going around saying, you know, some lady's stolen that, it's me, Roshana, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> because that, that is, uh, that's great stuff. Um, Roshana specializes in bullying and conflict resolution. And her goal is to help clients unlock their hidden gifts and talents. So again, we are excited to have Roshana with her, excited to hear about how to build um, your career and your life and to, you know, achieve some of our goals. Again, Roshana, thanks. We're looking forward to the discussion today. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. All right. So we are going to start off. Roshana, talk to us about adversity in relationships. What are some of the red flags? So in relationships, adversity starts small with communication. It starts with when you're in a conversation with someone and perhaps you feel like your voice is stifled in some way, like your opinion isn't being validated or valid. You may feel like the walls are closing in or that you're becoming small in your ability to communicate what you want or what you need. And those are the beginnings of the red flags that people see and sometimes that they're unable to recognize as red flags because they love the person or they really like them or they feel like they're the person that's going to get them to the next level. And so they decide to ignore those red flags, but those red flags are the beginning of what can be a really challenging communication relationship, and it can lead to low, reduced confidence, I'll say it that way, mm-hmm. um, or the ability for someone to say, well, I won't say what I really want to say to try to preserve the relationship when the truth is the relationship isn't on equal footing. How can we identify when a relationship is not bringing us value? Help us with that. So when a relationship isn't bringing you value, you know when you exit the conversation, whatever the encounter is that you're having with the person, and your mind is replaying the events that just occurred. Wow. Yeah. When you're in the replay of a relationship, you're going back through, oh, I should have said this. Oh, I should have said that. Oh, why did they say this? And you're trying to have a conversation with the person you just left and now you're in your head about it, that means the Mm -hmm. the relationship isn't adding value. There is something internally that doesn't resonate and you have to take time to reflect on that. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Excellent points. How do we initiate or engage in a discussion with others when we determine that um, a relationship is causing us harm or, or distress or having us in our head in that way? The first way to initiate it is I always think that people have to reflect personally before they actually enter Mm -hmm. the conversation to be able to say, this is why I'm feeling the way that I'm feeling and reconcile it internally first and then bring those concerns to the other person to say, the last time we were together, this happened and it made me feel this Mm -hmm. way. And in the moment I wasn't able to, to say that, I didn't really know what those feelings were. 
However, when I thought about it, this is what this meant to me, or this is what I interpreted what you said or what you did as, and I want us to talk about it because I feel like I'm stuck or whatever that that language is for that person. So really spending time reflecting first and then going to the person are the steps that should be followed. I will say that some people have a hard time having these conversations or the relationship it's a good relationship, but it's not a valued relationship to the point that they'll step into the uncomfortableness of, of having this hard conversation. So some people just back out of relationships slowly. Maybe you've experienced this or some of the yeah. listeners have where you just stop calling yeah. the person or you avoid their conversation. Right. right. And, and that too is a way mm-hmm. our actions speak louder than our words. However, to really have healing and clarity to move forward, eventually you have to process what you experienced. Mm. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. That's why this conversation is so, um, so needed because a lot of times it's just hard to admit to yourself that you're in a relationship, that you come in with such high hopes and expectations and such joy but to realize, hmm, this may not be a good thing. Or maybe this isn't what I thought it was. And it's very hard to, first of all, be honest with, your, with yourself and make that type of assessment. But then to have the fortitude to say, okay, you know, this is just not uh, working. Or, or this is maybe making me feel devalued on some level. So um, that's um, right. very, very um, helpful information. Yeah, it's the I didn't sign up for this moment or how did I get here moments <laughs> that, that we all yeah. may have or we've said it in our minds and yet we haven't necessarily been able to move forward or exit the relationship in a way that adds dignity and respect or allows people to just go, okay, our season is up because sometimes relationships are seasonal. They're not meant to last forever. Or if they're intimate relationships Mm. and those intimate relationships end because people grow apart or want different things, you have to be able to grieve the loss of what you expected. So often I find, at least with clients that I work with and as I do speaking and coaching, that there are people who are grieving the expectations of what they thought something was going to be. And they don't recognize that that grief is a process. Right. And so then they're hard on themselves rather than giving themselves grace to say, you know, I, I expected we were going to last forever and we didn't, or I expected I'd be further right. along with this person and we aren't. Yeah. yeah. You know what though, Rashad, that is such an important point because when you just um, spoke about grieving the relationship, so often we're taught or, or, We somehow see people acting in ways which says, okay, if you grieve this, it says you're weak. What's wrong with you? You know, I mean, get over it already. And um, that's something, I don't know if that's cultural or it's just something we've been taught in society that you don't let others see that you are mourning over this loss of a relationship. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it can be a friend relationship yeah. or romantic. It can be any kind of relationship. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do believe that it is cultural. I think some of it is very survival. The instinct to survive kicks in or has been taught like this. You got to get over it. We got to keep moving. You can't let people see you sweat. All the, all the wording that we're given, uh, you know, like you, you can't, don't let a, don't let them see you down. They'll kick you when you're down, that kind of thing. So put on your big girl panties, mm-hmm. like all right. the things right. that were right. taught. Yeah. And that the truth is, is that when the only way to heal, to fully heal a negative emotion is to experience it fully. So anytime we mm. have a negative emotion and we suppress it, we say, stop crying about that or get yeah. over it in some way, or let's move on. And you suppress that emotion. It just holds in the body which is why so many people have disease in the body because disease is simply dis-ease that happens. Negative, unresolved feelings and emotions and moments 
that many people are taught to just get over, move past. You don't have to think about that. Just stop thinking about it. When the truth is, is if you're thinking about it, it's because the unconscious mind wants you to heal it, really process it, understand why it happened. Right, right, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Okay. Um, So are there tips to be proactive to avoid conflict in relationships? So that's the first tip is that avoiding conflict is the trick of the enemy, actually. Oh, wow. The avoiding conflict says that we all have to now then walk on eggshells or we all have to now tiptoe around each other when the truth is, is that the conflict, the adversity that we face are some of the biggest things that help us unlock our hidden gifts and our talents, what I like to call awesomeness. Mm -hmm. That conflict that comes, that adversity that we face is the thing that is saying there's something there. There's something either individually you need to tap into. There's something collectively we need to overcome and work together to resolve. And when we come together Mm -hmm. and say, actually, we're having conflict and this is not good. This is, this is, this is bad. Let's call it what it is. It's bad and we can make it good. So let's talk about it. You, you share your feelings. I'll share mine. We may have disagreements or we may not understand. We don't necessarily have to fully understand to move forward. And so that's the second tip is that you don't have to fully understand where someone else is to be able to hold space for them in this moment and to be able to move forward to the next. True understanding sometimes comes as you're walking something out. It's revealed over time. Mm -hmm. And then the third tip is that you don't have to win to be right. Instead of fighting Mm. to win, just know you can be right and you can let the other person feel like they win, they won Mm -hmm. with a simple apology. Or an example that I like to give is, is within my family. So I love my family. I have a mother-in-law who loves to give. And we were talking about dresses that she bought for my daughter. And there was one dress that I knew that I bought because I don't buy her a lot of dresses because my mother and my mother-in-law buy her dresses. (laughs) So the one dress that I did buy her, I was like, I know I bought that. And she was like, did I buy that dress? I bought that dress. And I thought, yeah. And so I'm just nodding my head and, and I know I'm right. And in the moment, I don't have to win. I don't have to tell her, like, she may listen to this and go, I think I remember that and go, I I didn't even know that because that's not a battle that's even worth fighting. And I don't have to win. Fighting. Yeah. But Rashonda, I have one question about that. Where were you when I used to have these battles with my (laughs) mother-in-law and her dad? I mean, we would have done so much better, but she would do things. She was right. And I was like, no, you're wrong. I'm right. So you know what? I, I should have um, spoken to you about that. But yeah, I get that point. Yeah. yeah it doesn't make me less of my daughter's mother be- to have somebody else claim the dress or the curtains or whatever, whatever the thing is. Yeah. And ultimately, right, right. yeah. Yeah. And when we stand in, our, in who we are, firm whole and healed. We don't have to tell someone this is who I am and this is what I've done. Our fruit, Mm -hmm. the fruit we bear will be enough. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I remember thinking to myself with my daughter, I was like, she's beautiful. And she is, she came from me and my husband. And it doesn't matter who claims what she has on. She's got all my DNA up in her. So that's good. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. That's right. That's right. And that's not just something that we experience. So, oh, go ahead. I was going to say that's the thing we just experience as well in personal relationships. That happens in the boardroom. That happens when we're collaborating. That's a word that's used quite a bit. Let's collaborate. And sometimes you do have to say, this is my idea. This is, this is what I'm bringing to the table. However, there are other times when it's okay for someone else to say, well, that, you know, that's my idea. You can think about it as imitation is the highest form of flattery. Mm-hmm. So if you said something and then someone else says something, if it's for the greater good of moving the work forward, let it go. There'll be another opportunity for you to shine because your shine isn't just in one moment. It's in many moments. 
Yeah. Mm. But Rashawn, and I get totally what you're saying, but what do you say to people when they say, but you know, I, I just, I can't, I can't do that. I, I, and so I just don't, I don't, I can't have conflict with people. I can't have that kind of conversation. So I just prefer not to deal with that. Um, and so, and to move forward, then to, to continue to interact with others in whatever I need to do to avoid conflict, because the conflict is worse to me than actually what I'm dealing with now. Do you, do you ever see that with your clients? You, you understand what I'm just saying? Oh, yeah, yeah, I do. I do. And so you actually t used one of the words to avoid conflict. The, there are actually five modes of conflict, five ways in which we can deal with conflict. It isn't just avoid it or completely compete and fight for the win. There are five. Yeah. So, so avoiding is at the lowest when we think about being assertive and cooperative. Mm -hmm. Avoiding it is neither of those things. It's at the lowest realm. It's, it's simply, I just want to pretend like this doesn't exist. You can be an accommodator of conflict. Sometimes you can accommodate the other person's request. Then there's another realm where you can go into the compromise. You win, I win. We sacrifice something together, both of us. Mm -hmm. And then there's the collaboration where, you know what? We have conflict around this, so let's go and figure out something else. We're gonna bring all our ideas to the table and create something completely new. And then there is the competing. And sometimes you do have to compete in the mode of conflict to say, I am right and I will win this because this one right here is a value. And when it's a value, I'm gonna compete because, because we can't go forward otherwise. Ultimately, when I'm working with people that want to say, I just can't do it and I just wanna avoid it altogether. The problem with that is, is that then the voice that's internal, that instinct that people have, they start to lose understanding when to speak up and when not to. Right. Well, then, Bashana, then, and you're the expert on this, when that happens and you're saying you're avoiding it, then are you in some ways devaluing yourself at the expense of the other, allowing, when you say you don't want to engage in this, but in some ways, you are then devaluing yourself in this process, in this relationship. You're giving your power to someone else or something else, organization, individual. And again, when you do that repeatedly over time, that diminishes your inner capacity. And the unconscious mind doesn't know the difference between, well, I'm not gonna say something when I'm talking to Teresa. It doesn't know the difference between Teresa and when you're at work or when you're with a family member. Whoa. It doesn't know the difference. So when you say, and people say, well, I'm just like that at work. I'm not like that at home. The truth is, is you are because your unconscious mind, which is 96% of the power that we have, it's the reason that we can drive to the grocery store and forget that we were even driving. Mm -hmm. It becomes a super highway of how we then react. So anytime that feeling comes of, oh my gosh, I think this is conflict. If, you're, if you continue to say, well, I'll just avoid it, forget that happened, you're gonna do that instinctually. It will wow. become like a reflex. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. That stuff. That, that is, mm -hmm. because, I mean, when you use that analogy about the things we do mindlessly, you know, like driving or, you know, going to the mailbox, it could be anything that we're used to doing every day. Um, and to think that we're operating that way in relationships, which can be harmful, mm -hmm. that, that just that realization is counter to you being able to live your best life, which is what we are all about here at, um, Earrings Off. So, wow. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. The conflict when it comes, I like to think about it. I love superheroes. So Batman has all of these different tools mm -hmm. and conflict. We have to have the different tools and know based on our priorities and our values, 
Which are the ones we're going to use? Which tools do we need? Sometimes it's okay to avoid it. Sometimes though, you have to speak up and say, actually, I'm not standing for this. No more. Or let's collaborate because I value this relationship and we can do something great. However, if, if you allow your natural self to always take over, and if your natural self is a bully, because some people have that natural self, they're always going to be competing to win. And, and they'll find over time, they may have people around them. However, all of those people are people that just tell them exactly what they want to hear. They, they never question their opinions. And so while they think that they're actually in really healthy relationships, they aren't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. How does one get past that? Like if, if that is who you are and avoiding conflict, how do you get, how do you get to the next level? How do you get beyond if you're avoiding it at home and then it translates into work and it just, it's, it's just part of you as we've been discussing, how do you get to that next level? For people that are like, ah, this is me. The first thing is you have to acknowledge this is you so that you can begin to take your power mm -hmm. back in the moments where you are. It's like a pin on your map. Until you set the pin of like, this is where I am right now, then you won't move. You won't, because you won't have a, a, a point to start from to set your GPS. So you have to say, this is me and own it. Mm -hmm. And then you have to say, this is me right now. And I want to be someone different, or I want to be able to speak up when I need to, to set a GPS. And then from there, mm -hmm. going back into those moments when the conflict came, and the person said something or did something is critical to be able to reframe that memory or to be able to heal that memory if necessary. And there are matrix therapies and other things that I do with my clients to help them do that. For people that I don't work with, I tell okay. them to start journaling. Because when you journal okay. and go okay. back, like, and, and when you journal, rather than thinking this is what happened, and, and, and forcing yourself to write, allow that inner voice to come up to remember the conversation as you remember it. Because ultimately, you're only going to remember what you remember from it. So it doesn't really matter what the other person remembers. Just write down what you're hearing, what's coming right. forward. And as you write it down, the more you allow what you're thinking to be written, your unconscious mind opens, the hand, which is kinesthetic, it allow, it, if you're writing it allows you to really unlock that voice. And when you do that, after you've written mm. it out, you'll find that you have the solution internally already. And when you write it out, it allows that voice to come forward. Ultimately, people that say, oh, I just avoid conflict, whether they're aware of it or not, they have a lack of voice internally and externally. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Quenched in some way. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, so, but what what role does accountability play in achieving this next level living? So it really depends on the person. When I think about accountability, when it comes to relationships and the things that we've been talking about in terms of conflict, I would say find someone who is going to hold you accountable for speaking up someone who knows you well enough to know that when you're in a conversation or a situation, they know that when you get on your phone, you're actually avoiding the conversation. When you get up and go to the bathroom, when things get tough, that means you're avoiding the conversation. When you go and find something to eat, you're avoiding the conversation. All of, and, and someone that'll say to you, hey, stay here, sit down, come back, let's talk about this. Or I noticed when you were talking to so-and-so, once they said that, you didn't say anything else after that. What was that? Accountability is having someone else be with you in your picture that is looking at you the way you want to be, not as you are right now. And finding someone that will hold you accountable to say, you didn't show up, or, or I thought you were going to say that, or, or you just checked out. Why did you do that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. So that's yeah. different than maybe the accountability that others may think in terms of goal setting and having numbers and metrics. When it comes to behavioral changes, sometimes we have to have someone else see us and tell us who we are because we don't see it for ourselves. 
-hmm. And then from there, right. we can begin to create yeah. awareness patterns around our behavior. Well, and that, that, that is critical because that's something we talk about here at um, Earrings Off, just being in authentic relationships. And that requires that you have an authentic relationship with someone that you're right, that you, that's going to notice your behavior and that feels comfortable enough or is um, in relationship with you that they value that relationship and they're gonna honestly say to you, you know what, I noticed this, what's just what you said, what is that about? Or help me understand that, just so that you will think about what you're doing. So, yeah. Right, exactly, yes, authenticity is key. Oh yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. Let, let's talk a little bit about adult bullying. How can we identify if we are being bullied? Adult bullying, yes. One of my favorite topics because most adults don't know they're being bullied yeah. or they assume that's just how it is. This is just how it is. Or my favorite saying, that's how they are. Everyone knows it. It's fine. Yeah. That, that's adult bullying. So some of the signs of adult mm. bullying begin with an internal struggle around the relationship that you're in with someone, personal or professional. And before you engage with that person, internally, you are replaying back what happened before or you're preparing for the meeting before the meeting or you're preparing for the conversation before the conversation. You know you're in an adult bullying situation when you have to over-prepare and have multiple scenarios for an encounter with another person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I started to recognize this behavior for myself because I was bullied at work. Yeah, I've been bullied, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, so in three months, my career went from, I was doing well, I was a senior director, so I had the job, the title, the money, right? Everybody's like, get to six figures. Like, I had all the stuff. I had the door, the office, the team, and I was miserable on the inside. I was actually sick. Like my doctors were monitoring my blood pressure. It had gotten as high as about 150 over 80. I was, I was sick. I had stomach aches, headaches. I would wake up in the morning with a headache because I was grinding my teeth or clenching my jaw at night. I was missing moments with my family. My son at the time was about eight and we were sitting around the dinner table and my husband, my daughter, and my son were laughing hysterically about something that I, to this day, have no idea because I was physically present and mentally I was replaying the day and trying to figure out how I was going to navigate this really tough relationship that I was now in with my manager. And my son said to me, mama, that job is stealing your joy. Oh. And I was oh, like, wow. Yeah, out of the mouth of babes. People, will t this is the point, right? Authentic people, mm -hmm. they will tell you mm -hmm. who you are and the behavior that you're exhibiting. And I realized I was missing these moments. My family means everything to me. And I, I was like, I gotta figure this out. And then I started paying attention to my behaviors. So if this is you, if, or if any of these things is you, then you are in an adult bullying situation. Mm -hmm. So I would, driving to work, I would give myself a pep talk. I love my job. This is the best job I've ever had. I can endure this. I'm strong. I'm smart. I'm talented. I can figure this out. And I would just kind of go through this all the way to work. When I would get into the parking lot, I would notice, look around to see if my manager's car was there. I would take the long way to my office to avoid walking by their office. I would check, double check, triple check emails that I was gonna send, replaying them, thinking through them, anticipating what if, what if they read it this way? What would they think if it was that way? Spending a ton of time checking and double checking. Yep, and I knew the day that, the last time I ever saw this manager was the day that they said to me publicly in the cubicle setting something very rude to the point that other colleagues came into my office afterwards apologizing on my manager's behalf. And that was the day I decided that I would choose myself, choose my skills, my talents, my awesomeness, and start to decide to do something else. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And you know what? Those are the specifics that you just shared, Roshana, that's very helpful.
because you can hear the term adult bullying, but what you just shared, that should resonate with people. It resonated with me because that's exactly what I used to do when I was in a relationship like that, when I was bullied and I, because I avoided this person. And um, so that, that's very helpful. Um, to hear the specific cues to look for. Because I'm telling you, what you described, it was constant and it took so much effort to even send, like you said, a simple email. I was constantly looking at my response, how I worded things, how could this be interpreted? So Yes, many people spend their whole careers, their whole lives. People live with people that are like this as well. They're on eggshells their whole life, tiptoeing around. Well, I don't want to say this. Well, what if I say that? I don't want to invoke this behavior. That's adult bullying. And many people think, well, this is just what it means to be an adult, or this is what it means to deal with difficult people. No, it's not healthy. And for the people, the my boss specifically, this manager was a minimizer. They got joy out of making me feel Mm -hmm. small and they over and over again. The minimizer is tricky because the minimizer gets, because they get joy out of it, it's a drug. So chemically, internally, they get a hit. Yeah. That's how they get that, that yeah. oxytocin that they need, that yeah. feel good emotion. And so they actually seek you out. So my manager and perhaps some of the listeners or, or yours, Lou, yeah. was, was even seeking you out. Hey, can you do this for me? They would give you tasks so that they could then just have the snarky comment or be able to have the backbiting thing to say next. And that's the hard part about minimizers is because they'll keep coming for you because you have something. Right. So right, right. Listen to me carefully, all those listeners. The fact that you're being bullied means that you have a gift and a talent. These awesomeness stealers, as I like to call them, they see your gift, they see your talent, and they wanna use it against you. What you have to do is figure out what that talent is and what that gift is, and then decide to put it in better places, healthier places. Wow, okay, okay. Yeah, so, so you're right. I feel that that is absolutely true. They're threatened by the person that they're minimizing in some way and they're trying to steal their joy. Yeah. Yes. And the individual being bullied has to recognize their gifts. What if the person does realize what their gifts are, but can't afford to leave the situation that they're in, in a workplace? What, what are they to do with, in terms of getting beyond or working around or helping others to identify that this person is a bully and putting, they shouldn't be allowed to win always, you know, because mm-hmm. in, in a sense, I see that as the bully winning. Yeah. So there's many ways to Does that make sense? about it. Yes, absolutely. So organizations that have talent gaps that exist or when people do leave, that does create a, a talent drain. However, it depends on what, how you define winning determines what it looks like. like. Ultimately, and not everyone can leave. So the first recommendation that I always give people is to start documenting what happened. Document the things that are being Mm -hmm. said and done to you because not only will you need that in the future if you decide to come forward in some way, and what can happen is the more you're bullied, the more you're in these toxic relationships unconsciously, or there could be a part of you that goes, well, it wasn't that bad, or maybe it wasn't, maybe it's me. You can start to then be talked out of it in some way or because your confidence is starting to be eroded. And so you have to document what Mm. was said and what was done to you as quickly as you can so that you have a true sense of reality that isn't distorted based on fear. Okay. So that's the first thing. Start documenting it. The second thing is if it's a a leader that you respect, that you value, that you feel like, you know, I want to stay here. I want to do good work. Then you will have to confront them in a way that says this is happening and I don't like it. And you may do that one-on-one. You may do that with a consultancy where you bring in another colleague or there's a mediation of sorts. 
you may decide that you want to take it to a human resources department if that department is a is a department that can be trusted and i'm specific in saying it that way because not every human resources department knows how to deal with the internal struggles that that adult bullying bring to organizations and so you have to be ready for the conversations that happen and the ways in which organizations navigate it some navigate it really well and some don't well i want to add to that too when you talk about documenting because i i tell people one of the skills that i have having been a former social worker and i used to do counseling with clients and i had to document everything to develop you know a plan and i carried that over into my executive role i documented everything and so if and people would laugh and say oh let's check with lou we know she's got it written down somewhere so what happened with this individual that was bullying me Rashawn, i did exactly what you said i documented and when i was in a calm space i put what I, you know, saw as the issue in writing to him, letting him know you, I need to speak with you because this is the absolute last time mm -hmm. that's going to happen. And should it ever mm -hmm. happen again, this was, this is what I am going to do. He never came in to speak with me, but he never behaved that way again. And like you said, I didn't need an apology. I gave him that. But what I saw was the change in his behavior, so much so that other people started talking to me. Did you say something to him? Did you say something to him? Because they knew it was changed. And mm -hmm. I said, no, but actually I did. Mm -hmm. Let him know this was never going to happen again. So there yeah. you go. And when you speak up, you give people an opportunity to tell you exactly who they are. Yeah. yeah. So that person was able to, to well, sh show you his change. Well, and when you said that it was, it's like a hit for some people. That's what I thought about with him, because I'm telling you, when I stood up for myself, it was almost like he cowered. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like, I didn't expect wow. that reaction from her. And he complete, it, and it began to be almost like, he didn't want to, he was concerned about my reaction to everything. So much so that in the end, he became supportive of me in, in, in the environment. And it was such a change. And I know had I, had I wow. allowed him to do that, then I never would have, have um, seen him change, change for the better and for the organization, the betterment of the organization. Yeah. And yeah. that in and of itself is a win. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, Roshana, now I see you were a director in the talent acquisition division, and you talked about how bullying, you know, their people are concerned, they see your talents and your gifts, and that sometimes is the motivation for them to bully. So, tell us, how do you understand or identify your gifts or talents? How can you make a proper assessment about what they are? So the first is start looking at time. Time can tell us a lot about who we are. So when you are doing something and an hour feels like 10 minutes. Rashad, yeah. I'm gonna drop the mic on that. <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> what? Yes, when you're doing something, whatever it is you're doing, so often we're just moving through our day, not really paying attention to time. Right. But time moves in different rhythms based on what we're doing so when you're doing something and you've been you look up and you're like holy cow it's been an hour and it felt like 10 minutes go back what were you just doing that's your awesomeness that is something that you do and you do it so effortlessly that time feels like it's almost standing still and on the other side of that is yeah. The thing that you do when you're like, oh my gosh, it's been 10 minutes. It's, I mean, it's only been 10 minutes. It feels like it's been an hour. Yeah. You know, that's not your awesomeness. That is counter to who you are. And so once you start paying attention to time and the things that you're doing, you'll start to get a pattern and a rhythm. That pattern and that rhythm is your awesomeness, your gifts, your talents. The second thing to pay attention to are people because people will tell you who you are. They'll tell you. It may be packaged in a really terrible way, 
which is sometimes what happens with bullies. For mm -hmm. instance, that manager I was referring to earlier said to me in a, in a meeting, look at me when I'm talking to you. And I was like, am I getting punked? Is it <laughs> coming in? Is this like a what would you do moment? I mean, time froze in that moment. <laughs> And the only thing that I, I could do was look past them right over their shoulder out the window and was like, Lord, you're going to have to help me. Like, you're just going to have to help me. However, mm. after that moment, that phrase, look at me when I'm talking to you, is one of the reasons why I speak, have spoken internationally, across the U.S., online. It's why I do what I do now. It's why I show up in different places because I realized that the only reason that that manager could say that is because my presence mattered. Wow. My presence mattered mm. to them. My attention mattered to them. And if it mattered to them, I thought, well, it must matter to some other people. So let me go and find those other people. Whoa. <laughs> and so that's another way to start. That to is very that. deep. That, that was Sean. Right. That's that awesome. So good. Stop. That's some awesomeness. <laughs> yeah. It's even biblical when we think about it. When Jesus was on the road to Damascus and he was encountered those two demon-possessed men. Yeah. And Jesus didn't, Jesus only said one thing. The demons told him who he was and the power that he had. They said to him, son of man, that's who he was. Do, can, do not cast us out, like allow us to go into the pigs. They, they told him the power that he had. And then he said, go. Mm -hmm. And then he cast the, the flock off, <laughs> off, the, off the cliff and they died. Yeah. And so even our bullies, our awesomeness stealers are telling us who we are and the power that we have if we really listen. If we really, that's why I said document it, write wow. it down. They're if telling us the things beyond, we If you get beyond hearing the negative and listening to the criticism, yeah, they're telling, Roshana, that is amazing stuff there. Yes, yeah. I say flip the that flow of adversity, flip the flow, flip it. Because so often what happens is that happens, right? You have that moment with someone and then you pick up the phone and call someone else mm -hmm. and share. And then they're like, yeah, yeah, they're bad, this, that. And then your whole conversation is turned right. to the person that was negative right? versus stopping and saying, they right. said that to me, right? Because that manager didn't say that to the other people that were in the room. They specifically said it to me. So that meant right. that they were talking to me, which meant that my presence, my attention mattered. So maybe for you, someone saying, oh, you're always the one that's always done first. You're trying to make the rest of us look bad. And they're always on you because you're the one that's always trying to make somebody look bad. Well, the only reason that you can make someone look bad is because you're doing your stuff. You're on top of it. You're skilled. Wow. Yeah. You are dropping some knowledge on us. That, that is, but, it, but it's so yeah. true. It's so very true. Yeah. So to actually pay attention, be on alert to the cues that you're getting from people. Because be on alert, yes. And avoid the victim mentality. So I never felt like a victim all the times in my life that I've been bullied. I never was like, I'm a victim and they're a villain. I just was like, there's something going on with them, but I got to figure out what's going on with me. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're choosing me for a reason mm. and they're choosing you for a reason. That mm. reason is, is magic. It's happening because there is awesomeness in you and it needs to come out. Well, Michelle, you because you went out and you started your own business and you're doing very well. I saw your, um, your reviews and, and they're, they're amazing. And now Teresa and I both see why. But, but talk to us a little bit because... When you said you, you made the decision that, okay, people, if, if, if they value this, then apparently I have something of value that I, I can take elsewhere. But, you know, we started earrings off and we were nervous about it. And it's always, you know, it, it, you're, you're concerned about what you're doing. But tell us and tell our listeners, how does that how does that look? Or how do you get that oomph about yourself that you feel like I can go do this when it's a scary time and it's a scary thing to do, but yet you did it. You've done very well with it. So how, tell us about your process to get there. So my process, it's not easy. And that's the first thing is I, I knew it wasn't going to be easy 
And yet I was willing to do it because my fear of staying was so big that my fear of leaving, it was my fear Mm. of staying at that point had gotten bigger than my fear of leaving. I knew that I couldn't stay here. I didn't really know where I was going to go. I knew that I had gifts. I knew I had talents. I knew that I was coaching people in that organization. I knew that I was a good leader to a lot of people. I wasn't great to everyone. There were some people that I wasn't able to lead and, and that I was learning and growing, but I knew enough to know that I can bet on myself and I'm willing to do the work. So it's two things. I can bet on myself and I'm willing to do the work. So often- you're going too fast. I'm writing this down for myself. Go on. (laughs) Okay, let me back up. Yes, yes. So when you get to the point when your fear of staying is bigger than your fear of leaving or your fear of not doing something, I call that the hound of heaven. When the hound of heaven is on you and you're like, I gotta do this, get started. And rather than thinking, oh, it's got to be perfect, get started. And then from there, what you're going to do is begin to bet on yourself. Bet on yourself on a daily basis. The first day that I was no longer in an employee and I was a full-time entrepreneur, I said, okay, God, I'm going to do something and give you something to work with. And every day I would give him something to work with. I would put calls out. I would reach out to people who wanted coaching. I would write content. And every day for three and a half years, that's what I've done. Even on the days when I've been sitting on my couch with my family watching a movie, there's still content. There's still something I'm learning. And I use that learning, maybe not that day, but eventually I use it. And so being an open, willing vessel is also a part of the process. So when you think about your journey or for people that are fearful, there's always something on the other side of fear. What is it? Excitement, an opportunity, a possibility. And I was willing, and I bet for many listeners, if you're willing to stop long enough and just flip the fear coin over, you'll start moving. Mm, wow. Wow. Yeah. Very good information because you many times we stop ourselves because of what you said, just feeling like everything has to be perfect. I've got to have everything lined up just so. And, but you're saying, go out there, do it. Go. I didn't, I had a business card. The, I had a, uh, my website. So Roshanaprice.com. I had the, the domain. I didn't have the actual website yet. It literally said coming soon. I had a business card, a logo and, <laughs> and that was it. And I had, I had faith. I talked to my husband and I had, we had a little bit of savings, not a lot. And I have, it hasn't been easy throughout the entire process. Have I, have I had to Uber at times? Yes. Have I had to, to, um, at one point I worked nights while I was coaching in the daytime, I worked nights so that we could have like a really big Christmas actually. So, mm-hmm. so, but, but I was willing to do it as my business grew and now my business has grown to where I don't have to do that. And I yeah. fully replaced my income and have wow. additional, com- additional contracts and things like that. Uh, so avoid the, it has to be, it has to be perfect and it, and it's going to take off right away. Some things are a really good slow burn. My husband makes chowder. Mm-hmm. And when the chowder is simmering like chili or stew, the simmering process is what makes it really good. And some people's businesses, careers, families, relationships need to simmer. Mm-hmm. The simmering is what makes it last. Wow. Mm. Well, that's, um, thank you so much. Um, thanks for sharing with us, Rashana. In closing, What closing advice can you offer to listeners as they try to determine how to make solid decisions to attain their life goals? So the first thing I would say to listeners is avoid the word try. In the unconscious mind, try is like, eh, I might, I might not. Decide. Choose. Yes or no on the decisions that you're going to make. Go ahead, Lou. Well, when you said that, Rashad, because, you know, we frame it that way. And I, we do this. 
to try to do be politically correct. You don't want to put too much pressure on people. You don't want to sound pompous. But I like what you just said. Make a decision. Decide. This is what you're doing. This is what you're doing. Because trying does. It gives you an out. It, it does. Think about the last time you were like, I'm going to try to work out. Did you? Yeah. I'm going to try to eat healthy. Did you? <laughs> you did for a couple of days until the pizza came out, right? Like, yeah. so, and literally in the unconscious mind, how we're made, how we are made in our mind, the word try doesn't compute. The unconscious mind needs specific directions. It needs clear directions. Are we doing this? Does it matter? It's the reason why you can buy a car and then after you see buy that car, you see it everywhere. It's because they, you told the unconscious mind, this matters to me. Show it to me. I want to see it all the time. It's, mm -hmm. it's relevant. So if you tell yourself these decisions, these choices I'm making are relevant, you're going to see more of them. Mm -hmm. And so what I'll say to listeners is decide on what you want. And it doesn't have to be this grand thing. It can be, I want to be financially free. Okay. I want to be financially free and to be financially free. I want a second stream of income that brings me joy. It's not a hustle. A lot of people say I have a side hustle. The word hustle, like I don't want to work hard for money. I want it to flow to me easily and freely. Yeah. I can sow it to other people and like yeah. give and, and live. Yeah. And so when you say that, you're going to now all of a sudden it's a problem. So to your mind, your mind goes, oh, we have a problem to solve. We need to make a second stream of income and we need it to be easy. So then when someone pitches to you an idea, that internal gut will go, mm, this doesn't sound like it's going to be easy. It's going to be a lot of work. <laughs> so then you have another choice to yeah. choose to listen to that voice or say, or like, no, I, I think I can make it work. Yeah. Again, if you're like, I think I can make it work, no, you can't, it won't. Yeah. So then the thing, right. when the thing comes to you and it's like, oh, I could start a podcast with my friend and it'll be fun and we can, we can help people. Yeah. And, like, and that's easy. Let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's it'll good. come. Yeah. Well, I tell you, I good stuff. so very much. We have with us today. Miss Roshana Price, um, excellent information. Again, leadership and success coach, author of the book, Be a Giver of Awesomeness. Her website, check it out, RoshanaPrice.com. A lot of great information. Excellent job, Roshana. I see why um, I was told that we need to find you and talk to you. Um, and so we, we appreciate Absolutely. And thank, thank you so much, much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. I'm out. Um, kudos to you, Rashana, for what you're doing to help people discover their gifts and talents. And you know what I like? Not in any kind of general way. You are giving specifics. It's like a roadmap. And that's always helpful because mm -hmm. people say, oh, yeah, do better. Go live your best life. And why don't you handle a bully? You've, you've given us tips. Thank you very much.